Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season one, episode three, starring the dazzling Joel Grey. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hooray! Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode, another episode of Muppetsational. I am Lewis Chandler. I am Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And... Good grief! What <laughs> what a bizarre half an hour of television we have to talk about today! <laughs> Only in the 70s, eh? Oh, this was incredibly 1970s. <laughs> I know. Should I, should I kick us off with some broadcast info? You might as well give us some sense to start off this episode before we descend into madness. <laughs> I, will, I will situate us so that we can get into that 1976 frame of mind. Could you? <laughs> so this episode was originally broadcast on the 5th of September 1976. It was the third episode shown in the original broadcast run... And the production code also listed as the third episode that was made. Interestingly enough, it is now the third episode on Disney+. Plus. So we have all the threes here, which Woo! is... Um, nothing if not consistent. Yes. Which, <laughs> compared to its content, which wildly <laughs> just goes all over the shop. But I'm glad it's always stayed in the same place. Yeah, and it's the first time we've had that where it's all very nicely lined up. So that's quite exciting, I think, really. It's very pleasing. <laughs> And Emma, why don't you tell us a bit about the uh, guest for this week? Well, Joel Grey is an actor, singer, dancer. He's been on Broadway, films, TV, most known for his uh, role in Cabaret as the uh, Master of Ceremonies or the MC. And interesting fact, his uh, daughter is Jennifer Grey. Nobody puts his baby in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Jennifer Grey. <laughs> and another interesting fact, despite being the father of Jennifer Grey, also a gay man. <laughs> Very 70s in and of itself, I would say. You know, uh, <laughs> I loved when Kermit was doing, I mean, obviously we'll get to it, but when Kermit was reeling off and saying about his family and everything, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, not for much longer. <laughs> Indeed. They uh, apparently divorced in 1982. And uh, I love the Muppets in our chronology that we've watched have only uh, hung out with women and gay men, which is the only yes. kind of crowd of people I want to hang out with. It's just women and other gays and Muppets. And Muppets. All the Muppets. <laughs> that being said, we got a real grab bag of reprobate Muppets on this episode. Like it was every sketch there was a little weirdo somewhere it was so unsettling <laughs> i started watching it and i was like what is happening <laughs> it even seemed like they'd kind of like just cut random stuff together it didn't even feel like yeah. it was a whole episode that they actually like chronologically fought out i honestly felt like they were just sticking bits like that they either had left over or like very bizarre <laughs> very bizarre before before we go much further i just want to say that this was still the usual writing team and directing team that we've had on all of the episodes post the original two pilot episodes so jack burns mark london jim henson jerry jewell as the writers and then peter harris as the director but I completely agree. It felt like it ran short. It's the first time we've seen it where they've like previewed what's coming up in the episode. 
at the start yeah. of the episode. Including a, a punchline for a sketch that was going to happen two minutes later. <laughs> like, exactly. That was so weird. I mean, it literally was just about to happen. I mean, you didn't even have time to go and make a cup of tea between the preview and then the actual punchline happening. Like, why? Why did they do that? It's so random. This whole, you say it felt like it ran long, so they had, like, sorry, ran short, so they had to yes. chuck stuff in. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, I don't know about you guys, but it felt like this episode really dragged. There was no cohesion at all. And I've got to say, I don't know if I was particularly impressed with Joel Grey. I feel bad to say that, and I suppose we can talk more about him when we get there. But it did. Of all the other guest stars we've had so far, he's probably on the weaker end of an mm. impression I've been left with by the end of it, which I was surprised by. Yeah, I feel like there's there's two things there. One, I think one of the reasons it felt like it dragged a bit was because you actually had the whole of Wilkerman and Razzle Dazzle. Whereas I feel like in all of the other songs that we've had so far have been either genuinely short songs or kind of truncated versions of songs. Whereas these, I don't know whether they were like, well, we're paying enough for the rights, we'll pay, <laughs> we're going to play the whole damn thing. And then also, yeah, he, I mean, I suppose with Pokemon, he didn't feel like he had that much kind of back and forth mm. with the Muppets. And I also felt like that in a way made it seem like it didn't, he was just kind of doing what he does, which is doing a song and a dance but nothing really that that much more than yeah, that. Yeah, there was no twist on it. There was no, no Muppety mm. twist beyond the fact that he was in the presence of Muppets. And that yeah, does exactly. not a Muppet sketch make. <laughs> no, I, I felt like there was quite a bit of expectation coming into watching this. I think because maybe, mm. apart from obviously Rita, we weren't really aware of the other guest stars um, before we watched the episodes and obviously looked into their careers and obviously with Joel Grey we knew who he was so I was expecting it to be quite a stellar episode but to be honest it was probably one of the worst yeah I mean let's not uh, let's not uh, give away our, <laughs> our <laughs> how we're gonna rank it at the end but I mean we might as well start at the beginning uh, I mean after the opening titles this busted haunted house comedy tonight with a whole bunch of reprobate creepy muppets they well i looked them up they're literally called criminals it's the frackles and the what not criminals yeah are they like the evil cousins of the fraggles i <laughs> i don't know who they're the evil cousins of but i don't think they're welcome in my neck of the woods i mean they are they are dodgy as hell it was so strange it looked like one of those carnivals that drives onto like the nearest green in your town <laughs> and sets up a busted haunted house and has these creepy little animatronics and the mu the back music was so like 1970s bassy like it sounded like a porn it was just like it was so discombobulating the bit i didn't quite understand was why they were singing comedy tonight while going around with their knives and their detonators and all of their various bits to rob houses and stuff like what was the link there the juxtaposition that i think they were attempting just did not land no. at all it was just and it just made it so alarming it certainly didn't translate for today's audience i don't think whether or not it landed in 76 i guess is another matter but i was just so confused i was like what are you doing why are you singing this song and also why is this the opening number to this episode like exactly <laughs> like you said emma we've got a really genuinely famous performer and this is how you're starting this show an oscar winner a tony winner he's an e short of an ego i literally wrote down three words random <laughs> wow as in like wow 
and then explosions <laughs> and that was it <laughs> but also the explosions you already knew the explosions were coming because they'd already ruined that for yeah. you yeah <laughs> it's like they had two hours to put this episode together and they were like look joel you, we just do vilkerman and razzle dazzle and we'll just oh we'll just get these creepy muppets that we haven't used yet i just Oh, Peter and I were sitting there so alarmed. <laughs> like, uh, and then, oh, I mean, the runner of this episode of basically, Fozzie must be stopped from doing improv comedy. <laughs> the, uh, the lowest <laughs> form of comedy <laughs> that there is. Maybe only equal with mime and balloon animals. <laughs> it's such a short form improv. And it wasn't even proper improv because... When Kermit said dressing room again, he then repeated the same joke. It was more like Fozzie must be stopped from going into his repertoire of one-liners that are to do with, like, specific phrases that people say. I know we've complained about the runners quite a lot so far. We've only really enjoyed one of them, I think. But this one did feel like it was really scraping the barrel. And I suppose the point of the runners is that they're meant to give a sense of cohesion, but this was so poor that it just added to the confusion. It just meant that they had to come up with more bad puns. And then it meant that the ballroom sketch was even worse <laughs> because it's like they'd almost used up all of their already bad puns elsewhere to try and fill this runner. I did actually enjoy Statler and Waldorf in this episode and I felt like some of their jokes were some of the stronger ones that we've seen from them. Yeah, definitely. You know, that even that even their opening joke about they seem to be speeding along quickly tonight, which was very ironic because it didn't feel like the episode was speeding along quickly. <laughs> but, you know, to say it's harder to hit a moving target, it just felt classic Statler and Wardorf poking fun at the Muppets, mm. wanting the show to be over, not wanting to be stuck in their box. And I don't know, I, I, again, I guess compared to the Fozzy Runner, I was like, thank God we've actually got Statler and Wardorf on form in this episode because otherwise I really don't know what would be getting me through between between these little vignettes. Did they make a joke about being alive in 1912 and making a joke about the Kaiser? They did. How old are they? <laughs> like I was like, so even by the point they've got to 1976 and they're are in living memory of the Kaiser. <laughs> like, wow. of 19, the summer of 1912. Like, that means in present day <laughs> Muppet World, they must be at least 110 <laughs> or 120 years old to have living memories of the summer of 1912. They're like old Lady Rose in Titanic, <laughs> except still alive. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> <laughs> Cling it on. <laughs> Maybe we're actually dealing with the, the ghost of Statler and Waldorf at this point in time. Oh, you're allowed to bring a ghost theory in, I see. <laughs> like, you know, one week I say Scooter's dead and now we've opened up the freaking Muppet X-Files, apparently. <laughs> the one thing I did kind of notice was that the puns seemed particularly bad this week, but the only two jokes that I did have any kind of reaction to at all were the visual gags. So when... The little Muppet got her hair caught in the chandelier and was kind of wobbling around trying to get out of that. And then also the um, the stuck on you and the nose came off. I feel like the dancing Muppet sketches, I was just generally thinking about them. And I guess it's that that more visual and physical comedy that actually is... I'm not saying it's hilarious, but it's vaguely amusing. It's certainly more amusing than the puns, which are just seem to be getting worse every week. Yeah, I think if, like you said, if they didn't have that little bit of physical comedy, um, I think it, it would have completely died, <laughs> to be honest, in this episode. I think it just, just about made it savable, although I don't know if 
you know, you could say it was something that was worth saving. <laughs> it did add something to it, at least. Yeah, content. <laughs> it just <laughs> it just added to the runtime. Yeah. That's all it added. It was really long. You know, one of the other things that we said about the last couple was that they were quite short. Whereas again, I feel like this time they were padding for time. This Dancing Muppet sketch went on and on and on. The Stuck on You and the Chandelier, fine. But I, they could have literally just done that and moved on. Although... What they did move on to was the first ever Muppet newsflash that I genuinely enjoyed. <laughs> it was unprecedented. It was Boffo and Mrs. Boffo, the story of the human cannonball, and that she would just be left to pick up the pieces. I was like, yes, <laughs> like, good joke, solidly delivered. I enjoy. Well done, Muppet newsflash. I, I think it was the first one that wasn't era specific, was it? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't a mention of a hot plate or... <laughs> <laughs> or anyone doing some accent work. Yes. Yeah, Joel Grey had already got his uh, German coming up for uh, Willkommen, so he doesn't he doesn't do another accent. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have anything else in his repertoire, so he couldn't bust it out on Muppet Newsflash. So they were like, oh god, we're gonna actually have to write a joke for this one. Yeah, no, you're right. The, the Newsflash was, it was decent. It was a decent one. What is the name of the newsreader? I believe he is called the newsman because obviously they'd run out of all originality by the point they were naming the newsman so he is the newsman i don't want to sound strange but i really want to touch him like he's got such a (laughs) okay i'm full disclosure i might be slightly hungover on this podcast recording episode so i don't know if that is influencing my choices today but there's something about his really long wide flat soft triangle nose that I really just want to like place my hands onto maybe like you know like it's kind of like when people used to go and swim with dolphins it's like you just want to touch (laughs) I just really want to touch it it just looks so like I don't know tactile just every time he walks on I feel somehow assured he has a strong nose and I just I just want to touch it I'm like Bradley Cooper to Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born I just keep doing that little nose move that's all I have. <laughs> I realise that's not... You can't really respond to that. <laughs> all, I, all I can say, Lewis, is maybe talk to a professional about this. I think that's the only thing I can say. Um, there's obviously something about a reassuring, patriarchal, uh, you know, very stoic figure and your your desire to reach out and touch them. <laughs> no, it's just because he's got a big flat nose. I just really want to touch it. <laughs> he could be any Muppet. It's not just because he's a newsreader. It's not like I want to touch, like, you know, Matt Baker on The One Show. <laughs> <I just> wanna... <laughs> we, need to, we need to move on. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Boffo and Mrs. Boffo. They sound fun. It did make me giggle, though, because I, I felt like if Gonzo was listening to that newsflash... He was probably thinking, that's a bloody brilliant idea and I need to get on that. Like, that's totally up Gonzo Street in terms of being a human cannonball. I know. Well, I'm, I'm almost certain we are going to get some human cannonball business. When he's over this performing arts phase, um, <laughs> you know, we'll... Uh... Performance arts, not performing arts. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <Do> you mind? <laughs> I am in the performing arts. <laughs> I am not a performance artist. Although I did just do a monologue about touching a Muppet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe I am. (laughs) And your upcoming piece is just you touching a Muppet in a white cube somewhere. So uh... (laughs) (laughs) tickets will be £45. (laughs) The Guardian will love it.
<laughs> Speaking of performance artists, obviously this uh, sketch then leads into Joel Gray's first big number. And Jesus Christ, it took us long enough to get there as it was <laughs> before it even kicked off. And then it's just Joel Gray singing Willkommen in a sort of Muppet cabaret bar. Yeah, I I kind of, I went back and forth on this because I quite enjoyed the fact that obviously you had the Muppets pitching in with different lines and that he was moving between the tables and I guess it was Muppety to that extent. And then also you had the comments about the beautiful orchestra and the beautiful chorus girls. The orchestra was so cute. <laughs> Those three little dogs. And the one who just turned around to the camera was like... <laughs> and then just turned back to playing his instrument. But yeah, it was... It, I guess it was just sort of disappointing that they didn't really do anything more with it. Yeah, I sort of expected... I don't know, maybe hoping for Miss Piggy in a Sally Bowles outfit yeah. was asking for too much. But I just... Yeah, I wanted, like, them all to be in, like, 1920s attire, like, flapper dresses, and maybe, like, you know, it's 1976, so you're gonna have some Muppets smoking long cigarettes, and, yeah, just a bit more of a vibe. Kind of like looking back on previous guest performances, yes, they might be singing something that they're known for, or kind of doing a bit of a number, but they kind of make it a bit more, like, Muppety and a bit more fun. And like you say, it was kind of like, he was doing his song, which was great, good song. But, you know, they're just kind of sat at tables. They're not, do you know what I mean? It's just not, it just didn't have that much of a, like, fun vibe to it, I felt. Do you know what it didn't have? It didn't have any razzle-dazzle. No, (laughs) it didn't. (laughs) That's what I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, and also I said it was, I thought it was quite a, like, ragtag bunch of Muppets again really like sat at the tables they were super random the one thing I noticed about all of them was that there were a few human e Muppets and then also quite a few of them were kind of more human than animal so I wondered if they'd almost gone with the ones that looked like they should be at a cabaret show because they were in fact human or human-esque yeah that's true but that was the only thing they were weird. It was a weird group of Muppets to have. Wayne and Wanda sitting at a table, yeah. obviously trying to like edge their way into a musical <laughs> number because they got like one line and they were definitely trying to make the most of it. They were like leaning into Joel Grey like their life depended on it. <laughs> but yeah, when you, Emma made, you made a really good point. When you sort of think about, you know, some of the other episodes we've seen where they've been, that there's been proper song numbers, like Sandy Duncan in a bar, singing a great number and doing her dance as she does. But it's also hilarious. And then she, you know, breathes on Muppets and they fall down. Connie Britton in her poodle skirt dancing with... Connie Stevens! Oh, not Connie Britton! <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Coach! <laughs> singing the theme to Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Connie Britton and her beautiful hair. Just... <laughs> turn out to also be a Muppet like she'd end the sketch and she'd flick her hair and there'd be a little face in there (laughs) I'm trying to think what the Muppets could have added I mean yeah Miss Piggy Sally Bowles or like yeah just like four of them dressed up in like proper like 1920s Berlin cabaret like fishnets and stockings like imagine Gonzo in like a proper full like dancer outfit out the back and just you know Joel just trying to like gamely get through Willkommen, but he's got these four <laughs> bizarre Muppet chorus girls behind him or something. Yeah, just missing something. Yeah, you probably could have done something with the electric mayhem with either like a 1920s or a 
German twist or something. Again, it, I suppose we've we've talked before about things feeling like it was almost like the first idea. And I wonder if this was like, we're going to get him to sing Wilkerman and we're just going to have the Muppets at a cabaret show. Yep, it'll be wonderful. And that was kind of it. There was no further development of what else you could do with him or with the Muppets. Yeah, it was disappointing. And then we uh, lead into the chat with Kermit and Joel, which again, I don't know, it just, they obviously did a bit of a gag where Kermit was kind of asking him about his life. And then I think the uh, the joke was that Kermit ended up basically explaining his life and his kids and his wife and everything else. And then, and then that was it. I do feel like I'm being quite negative on this episode today, but I just don't feel like there was a lot of interaction with them. Like we've seen better talk spots between Kermit and the guests where they've been really jokey sort of played and yeah I, I mean I don't know what what do you think Lou? The premise of the sketch within the chat segment just limited his ability to be able to play and yeah it's a solid enough joke but it does come at the expense of then Joel being able to have some legitimate interaction with Kermit. It was a missed opportunity I felt it was it was probably one of the weakest chat segments I think we've seen so far. It's also just a bit odd that in an episode where it felt like they were desperately trying to fill time and they were desperately trying to find things to fill the episode that you wouldn't actually make the most of the talk spot because like we've seen with previous guests it's a really good opportunity for the guests to show off their comedic chops and their great chemistry and patter with the Muppets but also it's a really lovely opportunity for the Muppeteers to dig into the characters that bit more yeah you know and you did you had glimpses of that i really loved kermit at one point crossed his legs Mm. and then when he was disappointed and turned to the camera and said that joel was dull he uncrossed his legs and it was you know it really emphasized kermit's i guess his impression of joel and how unimpressed he was but it didn't it didn't really kind of help the actual skit and the the setup and the punchline and everything because it was too short and there was no real there was no real payoff there for it. Exactly. You don't think Joel Grey has anecdotes? For God's sake, he worked with Liza Minnelli in the 70s. That must be insane. She would just be like a walking pill bottle. Just like, (laughs) he'd have stories. And also from, you know, as Kermit was saying, he's been on stage since he was 10 years old. Like he must have worked with everyone on Broadway and in review circuits. I was reading that he worked at the Copa from the 50s. Like (gasps) As in the Copacabana. As in the Copacabana, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, get him to talk about the damn Copa. Hello? Please, Kermit, you know, give give the people what they want. Imagine how depraved the Copa must have been in the 50s. (laughs) I'm just trying to... That must have been... That sketchy. You would have seen all those all those Muppets from the first sketch from the <laughs> comedy t- tonight would have been sat at the tables at the Copa. <laughs> Something that I don't really want to talk about, to be honest, but we're going to have to talk about it, is the next little vignette, <laughs> which I'm, yeah. I'm delaying talking about it, to be honest Not with you. Not since Sex and the City 2 has there been such a... <laughs> oh... I mean, I don't... Pasha Lafaka... That's not... Yeah, Pasha Lafaka... Pasha Lafaka? I think we go with that. <laughs> I'd f- yeah, because obviously we got a content warning at the beginning of this episode, and I did wonder, oh, maybe mm. it'll be... Maybe it's Jill Grey, maybe there'll be people, you know, Muppets smoking in a cabaret bar. Nothing could have prepared me for a musical skit set in... Was it meant to be Turkey? Did he mention Turkey? Yeah, it was Turkey, yeah. <laughs> 
feel like it was it was a double whammy as well because obviously it was bad enough that you had a Muppet who was originally called the Eastern Maiden mm-hmm. doing her thing, whatever whatever you want to say that is. And then obviously on top of that, you then had the reveal, I'm using quote marks uh. on that at the end, that she's a man. <sighs> it's like, oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Not only are you being racist, but you're also being transphobic. And actually, I felt like there was a lot of misogynistic jokes that, throughout the episode as well that were mainly coming from Fozzy. There were a lot of jokes about his wife and then there was a very dodgy joke about her eyes saying yes, yes, but her face saying no, no, Ugh. which I thought was very, very poor taste. Yeah. This sketch was just shockingly bad. And I really hope that everyone that watches it has the same kind of reaction now that, that we do. Mm. There's genuinely nothing funny about it. No. There's nothing... Nothing amusing about it at all. The only bit that like raised a smile in my otherwise grimace during the entire <laughs> sequence was the business with the belly dancer and the uh, plant at the back of the set. Yes. Which, you know, great. I love a bit where somebody gets like angry at a prop or a bit of setting, but definitely not worth it for the uh, offensive, you know, hole that it came in. If anything, it just added to the real hodgepodge of the episode in terms of it being tonally so up and down and there being absolutely no clear theme and just being generally all over the place it was very it was just it was just very disappointing from the muppets Mm. but it speaks to what was considered appropriate or fair or you know yeah acceptable in the 70s that this sort of like turn or number where you know got people dressed up in vaguely middle eastern costumes in a vaguely middle eastern setting and then like oh reveal the belly dancers a man Ugh, just all of it and just the nonsense name as well which i know i failed to say anyway but yeah really just a, a real low point and then i feel like it was actually compounded by the fact that sam the eagle then introduced wayne and wonder and was talking about how he was there to ensure that the moral content of the show was above reproach <laughs> and i just i mean i realized that he's saying that jokingly because obviously the muppets themselves are known for being anarchic and chaotic and everything but it that actually felt like more of a punchline I guess from today's perspective, yeah. that he's there saying, <laughs> I'm I'm the standards guy. I'm making sure that your content is above board after we've just watched this horrendously racist, transphobic, just awful, awful piece. <laughs> and then he introduced Wayne and Vonda as their church people. I was like, oh, yes. oh God. <laughs> can you imagine the horrendous church that Wayne and Wanda must belong to? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you could see it coming a mile away. Like, they start singing stormy weather. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen? But even the punchline of it started to rain. It wasn't even like the Jim Neighbors episode where they get blown away by like some big wind fan or something. It's just, it started raining. And they sort of did that Muppety looking around up above. And then that was it. Like, they just stopped. I was like, it's called stormy weather. I mean, like, do something. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have had two and a half minutes of that and cut awful sketch that preceded it just have it starting with a bit of light rain and then the water gets heavier and heavier until you just turn on a hose do you know what i mean and then it just, and then you could cut to off stage and it's just animal holding the hose being like stormy weather stormy weather and like i mean i feel like wayne and wonder i think their whole thing is that they're usually on screen for a very very short period of time and that's the joke. They always start singing these songs, but they never really get even beyond the first verse of yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, they get thwarted. But 
I think the general idea that actually there's more you can do with something like Stormy Weather and you can actually leave out the horrendous sketch from before mm. is completely valid. Even if they didn't want to do it with Wayne and Wanda, you could have done it. They could have done it with Joel Grey. They could have done it with whoever, you know, make make more of it rather than just having it as this this tiny little setup. Yeah, I mean, Joel Grey disappears for a good 10 minutes. Like, he has his talk <laughs> spot with Kermit. And then we've got, like, four or five little bits and bobs that just happen again. And he's just nowhere. He has the little bit with Gonzo where they're talking about the idioms and he has the talking hat. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Which, again, had a reappearance of one of my favourite Muppets, the sentient banana. <laughs> oh, I know. When I saw that banana, I thought, Lewis is going to be happy. <laughs> He's come <laughs> back. It's great. Honestly. <laughs> that was like... probably the best bit of that sketch. <laughs> it was. I mean, the hat was fun and I loved uh, Joel Grey's neckerchief that he was wearing. But <laughs> I was like, is he about to go driving? Like, I was like, what is happening? But... <laughs> Yeah, that was the whole thing he said. He said to Gonzo, didn't he? I've got my new car. Let's take it for a spin. So he was. He was dressed up in his driving attire <laughs> so that they could. Uh... And he was married until 1982, yes. you say? <laughs> yes, Lewis. Nobody, nobody noticed. He was in the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, oh. Oh, the banana turned up and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, at least you're here. <laughs> a friendly face. <laughs> <laughs> this little flopping arms. It just, it just becomes oh, flopping arms. What did you both make of Fozzie's set with the whole amoeba back and forth with Statler and Waldorf? Because I just felt like Fozzie's just sad. He's just not, he's not that funny. He doesn't seem to have the kind of jokes that we know Fozzie to to have and it just always feels like Statler and Wardle for getting the upper hand of him like every single time he never seems to end up with the final word or the last laugh or mm. do you know what I don't know he also looks really dirty like I don't know if any, <laughs> either of you noticed this but he looked like you know when you've had a rug like a bath mat for too long and it starts oh, to go yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean like he's kind of like he's meant to be like orangey brown but then there's like these really murky bits like on the edge of like where his hands are it's like he's just been left I just I was just really noticing him mainly because I was like mm, this sketch isn't really working and also I was trying to think of my own like punchline to Amoeba when they shouted out and all I could think was Amoeba I hardly know her but <laughs> that's the best I could do no no reaction great okay <laughs> fine <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought he looked really dirty. Like I just like, you, yeah. Just adding to the general nineteen seventies vibe where everything's just a bit grimy. To be honest, <laughs> him and him and Gonzo have still been going on that bender every uh, every weekend before they start filming. I think. And then we come to the UK spot, <laughs> which is uh, well, we've got Ralph playing Sherlock Holmes in another questionable <laughs> sketch was that the uk spot yeah it was originally going to be the pasha lafaka <laughs> and then they they changed it because they felt like the episode didn't have enough salt so they decided that everybody needed to see that <laughs> yes wow <laughs> i know yeah uh, wait did you call him did you call him ralph <laughs> his name's rolf <laughs> okay rolf okay so we've got rolf doing a kind of weird english accent and then there's the weird muppet which i think is called gorgon heap the big purple thing who 
eats everyone. Yeah, I found that quite disturbing, especially when you got to like their legs and then you could obviously see <laughs> that it was a puppet. It was another creepy Muppet in this episode. They were just everywhere. Yeah, Ugh. he ate Miss Piggy. <laughs> I know, including her fish-netted leg, which I thought I was a nice touch. <laughs> and we had another episode where Piggy's voice flitted between Richard Hunt for all of it, and then only in this sketch did she actually sound like Miss Piggy, because Frank Oz was doing her. Yeah, I agree, Emma. It was really odd. I really enjoyed it. Like, I just felt like it was that Muppet chaotic take on a classic literary title, you know, sort of playing on the characters that obviously everyone knows, but with the Muppets. And I guess the whole premise of Sherlock is that Sherlock finds clues (laughs) and then is able to piece together what's happened and solve the case because he's got the clues. But in true Muppet fashion, things either get eaten or blown up. And in this case, they got eaten and that everything just got eaten. And then that Rolf was following that line of thought and then kept changing the outcome. You know, then it was Watson that must have committed the murder. Watson gets eaten. So then it must be that because there's no murderer, there wasn't in fact a murder. And that it was essentially turning back the clock and turning back what had happened. Like it was just... Yeah, but then the corpse sneezed. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, I was already disc- like discombobulated from the moment we saw the purple guy. And then uh, when we actually saw the corpse Muppet who genuinely had a bullet in his back. Yes. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Rolf had to go over and use a magnifying glass just to confirm, yes, he's been shot. And I was like, we can see that from here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just hungover, but I just found it too, like, I know sometimes I ask for the absurdity curve to be, like, you know, dialed up a little bit, you know, for a bit more whimsy or madness, but this was just immediately at 11, like, it was like, Rolf's here playing Sherlock Holmes in the sense that he wore a deerstalker hat and was solving clues, and he had another random dog with him playing Watson. And then the purple guy, was he meant to be a butler? Yeah, he was the butler. It just felt like such a first draft go at this sketch. Like, oh, I, see, I, don't, I didn't get that. I didn't get that vibe from that in the way that I did for other other sketches in the episode. Like I just, to me, it did have the twist and it also did have the kind of development in terms of the fact that it wasn't just that the butler ate the clues and then they were like, oh, okay, that's it. It was like they'd actually got to the point of thinking like, oh, so Sherlock, Rolf, is going to have to stretch his logic to make it bizarrely work now that there aren't any clues and there isn't a witness and there isn't a murderer that's been set up. Like, I don't know, I just... No, I think the premise is fine. I just don't think it was delivered right. I don't know, just something wasn't quite gelling for me and I, I think it was just from Miss Piggy being eaten onwards I was just like okay this is just like <laughs> just her one leg sticking out of his mouth and just like slowly being pulled down and they didn't even get like a reprise like with Never Smile at a Crocodile like they're dead like they don't come back or like pop out of his mouth or anything it's like no they're gone now <laughs> truly very odd did anybody think in this Gonzo sketch that Gonzo sounded like Carol Kane the actress who <laughs> is uh, the curly haired lady in Kimmy Schmidt and is in the Adams family his voice had this real Carol Kane kind of like yeah kind of vibe to it that like wasn't Gonzo but just reminded me so much of her that I was just thrown and actually I would have preferred to have watched Gonzo 
bust up an antique car than watch goddamn Razzle Dazzle. (laughs) (laughs) What a treat that was. (laughs) If you could watch Gonzo the Muppet just fully smash up a car with a hammer, or you watch a very phoned-in, bizarrely edited Razzle Dazzle featuring Joel Grey, I'd be like, no, I'll watch Gonzo smash up that car, please. The bit that I've noticed with all of Gonzo's bits so far with his performance art... Thank you, Lewis. He doesn't seem to actually commit to any of the bits that he's doing. So like with this one, with him smashing up the car, he was just lightly tapping the mallet onto the car. Do you think that's because the Muppet Show actually needed to give that car back to somebody? I was going to say, they obviously couldn't afford to smash up a car. <laughs> Instead, they spent it on the uh, the effects in the uh, razzle-dazzle number. I mean... Wow, so many wipes and kaleidoscopes and like silver platform boots. I mean, <laughs> the boots were amazing. <laughs> to paraphrase Nicole Kidman in the prom, give it some zazz. Like, where's the zazz? <laughs> like, it just, all of the Muppets who were singing in the background sounded like an amateur musical society doing a really grim production of Chicago. <laughs> the only Muppet that Joel Grey interacted with was Gonzo. That whole, the chorus of Muppets singing was filmed completely separately and then put together in those, wow, those groundbreaking visuals. There's four Joel (laughs) Greys. And now he's in a circle. (laughs) There's fire and sequins and flowers. (laughs) There are those flashing lights going around the outside. They were something. They should have come with an epilepsy warning. (laughs) They were going insane. But that's the thing, even with all of this, it still felt like such a meh. I don't know, like, you got all this going on and I'm still just like, ugh. I mean, it speaks volumes that when Peter and I finished watching this episode, ten minutes later, Peter was singing to himself, Big Spender from Sweet Charity. <laughs> and it was like, it hadn't even fully registered that we'd actually just watch Razzle Dazzle and not sing a song from Sweet Charity. Aww. But I was like, why are you singing Big Spender? He's like, I don't know. Just I was like, that's how little impression... I have to say, this is probably the first time, you know, when you kind of pause it just to see how much time you've got left. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel really bad because like I had a lot of expectation going into this episode. I wonder if we went in with maybe too high expectations for Joel Grey. Maybe we expected too much of the father of Jennifer Grey. (laughs) I don't know. But Rita Moreno matched our expectations. Connie Stevens and Sandy Duncan surpassed them because, you know, well, we didn't know who they were. But like, it just, oh, yeah, everything. Like, you know, I should have been reeling with homosexual joy at seeing Joel Grey in some platform silver boots singing Razzle Dazzle. Instead, I was like, oofed. I mean, they just didn't do it justice, did they? They didn't do the song justice you know he was stood there in his platform boots which i did love waving around some magic terrible magician flowers and that was in between the swipes and the kaleidoscopes and whatever else and so many wipes there was so many the chorus was really really low energy and really like there was no razzle dazzle to razzle dazzle it was woozle wuzzle that's what it was (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand why they chose to do this as Joel Grey giving Gonzo advice, which I think is actually like a really nice sort of setup of Gonzo's failing, which is Gonzo's whole shtick at the moment, Mm. but that then the guest host would be like, hey, this is what you need to do. And then that's what he does. And you're like, (laughs) 
why is that going to inspire Gonzo to sort his act out? Like, Gonzo's <laughs> going to watch that and just be like, nah, mate, I'm all right. I'm just going to go back to hitting my car. Like, th- it was just, it just wasn't anything. It just wasn't. No, you're right. Like, the only bit that made me laugh was when Gonzo was like, should I get a top hat? And I was like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? At this, <laughs> you can do it. Uh, it's it's a shame. And it actually makes me glad that we watched these episodes in the bizarre order that we did. Because I think having come in with Rita Moreno and Sandy Duncan and Jim Neighbours, actually, those are a much better representation of what The Muppet Show can do and what its unique selling point is. Whereas this was a hodgepodge of bad sketches, very average songs and a, and a, a conventional use of its guest. Joel Grey comes on and sings a song from Chicago and a song from Cabaret. Like, this could be any variety show. Do you know what I mean? Like, he could be on Sonny and Chef and, or anything. What's the Muppetiness to it? It's really odd, though, isn't it? Because this comes after they've done the Connie Stevens episode. So it's like you've got an episode that really feels like they know exactly what they want the Muppet show to be. And then you have this episode where it feels like they're like, oh, it's just a variety show and there just happens to be some Muppets there. How do those things possibly sit next to each other in the production order? You would almost think that two entirely different teams have worked on those two episodes. Mm. They're so different in their approach to what The Muppet Show fundamentally is. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's really disappointing. So we've managed to come to the end of this uh, rather (laughs) disappointing episode. Mm. But we need to all talk about our MVMP, our most valuable Muppet performance. So... Lewis, who are you going with this week? Ugh, well, <laughs> who to choose from, frankly? <laughs> Just, I mean, to be honest, do you know what? Sentient banana. I'm giving it again, to him again. again. <laughs> it was the only, the only genuine <laughs> highlight of this episode to me was sentient banana. It was the only bit that appealed we're giving you nothing. Oh, good. Well, this episode <laughs> gave us nothing, frankly. So you know what? It's all it's all we should expect from this. So yeah, you know what? Sentient banana. It was the only bit I liked. There was too many other weird, creepy Muppets this episode. I just and none of them had like an ounce of Sweetums style sweetness to balance out their creepiness. They were just odd. I did not care for them. Sentient banana. Is it gonna be my, you know, performer of the season? Who knows? Maybe he or she will turn up again. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Uh, Emma, why don't you give us your MVMP for the week? Well, again, I did find this quite tough uh, (laughs) trying to work out who it was going to be. But I think even though I kind of thought the sketch wasn't particularly good, I did quite like um, Rolf as Sherlock Holmes. So Mm. (laughs) I think purely for that, (laughs) he is going to be my MVMP for this week. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't, there just wasn't someone who really stood out for me or like progressed or showed any character growth. But the fact that we had so many like ragtag Muppets as well. Um, <laughs> ragtag is exactly the word. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't know. He was my most valued one for this particular episode. How about you, Jade? Yeah, I'm the same, Rolf. There wasn't anyone else that particularly stood out to me. I did enjoy Stadler and Waldorf's parts, but I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Rolf take a more leading character that didn't just involve him singing a UK spot at the piano. And also just, as I've said, I genuinely did enjoy the Sherlock Holmes sketch and I was really shocked when I found out it was the UK spot because it just makes me sad that the Americans in 1976 didn't get to see this. Like, I... (laughs) 
I really enjoyed it and I I think they missed out and I hope they're all enjoying it now on Disney Plus now that they can watch it in all its full glory. Glory used very <laughs> loosely. <laughs> and now now for our ratings, Lewis, should we go we'll go around the houses again? Yeah. What are you what are you going to rate this one this week? I'm very curious. I th- I think this is going to be my lowest rating so far. It's, I'm going to give it four video effect Joel Greys out of ten. <laughs> Limp, limply singing Razzle Dazzle. It was such a shame. I was so excited to see Joel Grey. I, I don't know, maybe I built it up in my head slightly. And just from the odd opening onwards, it was just bizarre. And it felt... It felt not very sure-footed and not particularly well-written and not a good utilisation of the guest. So it just all added up to a bit of a mess. And that's not even mentioning the racism (laughs) and transphobia that was also in it. It, Yeah, a real, yeah, I'm I'm even wondering if four is too high, but I wonder if we could potentially (laughs) still go lower. Who knows? That's the thing, isn't it? You know, at least Joel Grey still rocked up and gave a performance, even if it wasn't our favourite. Like, yeah. I feel we could go lower still, unfortunately. Emma, what was your rating? Um, I'm actually going to give it a similar rating in terms of numbers. I'm going to give it four silver platform boots out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that they use, like, a ragtag bunch of Muppets kind of just, you know, shows what kind of an episode it was. It was just, like, it made no sense. It kind of felt a bit dialed in. The sketches weren't great. The use of Joel Grey was a shame, really. I just think they could have done so much more with him. Um, And I think, again, like you said, I was coming in with some expectation for this episode, um, which wasn't unfortunately met. So, yeah, again, I think I'm going to have to give it a four. So Mm. how about you, Jade? I, yeah, I've really struggled with my rating because I, you know, as, as we've said all episode, I didn't particularly love it. But there were some moments that I did enjoy and... It wasn't that Joel Grey's performances didn't bring a smile to my face because they did, but they were just disappointing compared to, I think, what we were all expecting from the episode. Mm. I think there's a damn good reason he didn't EGOT with this episode yes. a la Rita Moreno. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah. She had no competition there, darling. Damn right. <laughs> so I'm going to go four and a half Kaiser Bill's silly hats out of 10 because (laughs) I think I did enjoy it slightly more than the both of you did because I did enjoy the Sherlock Holmes sketch and I did genuinely enjoy the Statler and Waldorf moments but yeah overall I think it is definitely the weakest episode we've seen so far and I really hope that actually there's something about maybe this being really early on in the run and that there is a lot better to come I mean we know there is because we know there's other episodes we've seen that were produced a lot later than this, where there is a, a more of a sense of cohesion. The characters are a little bit more bedded in and everything. But yeah, I I am also still hedging my bets that <laughs> Joel Grey's a great performer. So there's every chance that there's going to be someone who comes along who's not actually that great a performer. Maybe our expectations won't be as high, but the actual episode might still not be as good as this one was. So Well, I think we're all just going to have to have a, a positive outlook on... <laughs> hope uh, hope for a more successful rest of the season maybe to pull us towards some hope jade maybe you can give us some uh, some muppet philosophy to lead us out of this dark and scary carnival ride <laughs> that has been this episode i think uh, the quote i've chosen this week kind of speaks to uh, the process of going through things that maybe at the time you don't quite 
understand uh, but you come out the other side slightly better so uh, again this is from jim henson the biography by brian j jones a quote from jim henson is i believe that life is basically a process of growth that we go through many lives choosing those situations and problems that we will learn through and we certainly learned from this episode we did we definitely did <laughs> oh the only way is up <laughs> let's hope so yeah let's hope so fingers crossed <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Sational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. What a what an episode <laughs> in all week. senses of the word. Good, <laughs> good grief. Well, please join us again on another episode of Muppet Sational. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We shall see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at Charlie underscore R underscore Rudge on Instagram. Mm-hmm.